This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Case that we followed from the day that uh, this one first surfaced as a tragedy back in 2011. A young man up Newmarket Way uh, had actually gone for a joyride with some pals in the wee hours of the morning. It was the summertime. And long story short, uh, when a police constable pulled him over, uh, it ended in the young man behind the wheel being uh, paralyzed, a quadriplegic, and uh, police constable Garrett Stiles losing his life when this van tipped over in a ditch as the young man behind the wheel, 15 at the time, tried to uh, make a getaway with Stiles sort of hanging from the window uh, as he was trying to take the keys out of the ignition. That the background, but now uh, the story gets advanced. This young man pled guilty to manslaughter uh, after the Court of Appeal had ordered a new trial back in October of the last year. So let's find out how this all plays out when you can actually have a new trial and uh, then plead. And when you're a quadriplegic, uh, what type of sentence would be appropriate to be meted out? Joseph Newberger is Global News Radio's legal expert with Newberger and Partners, and he's here to answer all. Joseph, good afternoon. Good afternoon, John. How are you today? Very good. Uh, But bring me into the loop here, because this young man had originally been charged with first-degree murder, and uh, he was convicted, I guess, given a custodial sentence. You might recall it was uh, merely probation at the time, and we wondered, you know, would jail even be appropriate? And if I recall, you were suggesting it wouldn't just because the the, the condition that he had ended up in. Uh, So now he gets two years probation, a two-year partial driving ban, or manslaughter. Uh, what's the change all about here? Well, I, I think there is a lot of consideration, uh, as we've read from the reports, that the Crown would have consulted heavily with the family here to see if everybody wants some closure. And I think that's important for everybody involved. And when you think about the appeal itself, the Court of Appeal noted a number of errors by the trial judge, most significantly that the trial judge failed to properly instruct the jury about the age and maturity of uh, the accused in determining whether he knew his actions were likely to cause death. And I think that's an, you know, a very apt point because it's likely that a 15-year-old in those conditions would have just wanted to flee and not applied his mind to whether the officer would be dragged along with the car and the car would then tumble over and the poor officer would die as a result of those actions. So I think a manslaughter is an appropriate result after everybody considering what would be in everybody's best interest. A a plea to the manslaughter makes sense, I think, in these circumstances. And as you said, um, unfortunately, the injury suffered by this young man, SK, does factor into what will be a fit and just sentence considering uh, the level of injury and life-altering injury that he has now resulting in a two-year probation order with several restrictions is not, I think, out of out of the zone, simply taking into consideration everything involved in this tragic case. So, Joseph, when you say the level of maturity, uh, is that distinct from age? Because he was 15 at the time, but also when he was 14, similarly, went for a joyride, took the parents' van. So uh, he was not unaccustomed to doing these kinds of things that were obviously illegal. Uh, so he was a young scofflaw. But what's the difference between age, because at 15, we get it, uh, you're still a minor, but level of maturity? Well, you know, we have people who are 20 and not mature, and people who are, you know, in their 70s and present in the United States and not mature. I mean, the reality is maturity is a psychological and emotional component of an individual, and somebody can be 15 and quite mature. So you have to take into consideration not just simply the age, but what level they're, they're 
they're acting at. And if this is a, a child, and you're right, maybe somewhat conduct disorder, taking a car without uh, consent, doing stupid stuff, but not really applying the mind. Their, their behavior is consistent with somebody who's incredibly immature. And we know at age 15 and 16 and 17, we don't have individuals with fully developed brains. So you're taking into consideration age, but also the emotional and intellectual ability of that person, given other circumstances that would be before the court for a jury to consider. Uh, except that, again, uh, he seems rather sly. There was a certain savviness about it all. Took the parents' car, had to hustle home by 4.30 a.m. so he could have it in the driveway by 5 so his parents wouldn't know. He had texted friends saying, you know, hey, I can get the van. We can go for a joyride. I, I know that may not speak necessarily to a level of maturity or immaturity, but it shows there's a certain deviousness behind it all. No, I don't disagree with me. I mean, this is conduct disordered behavior, whether he has a conduct disorder or not. It's rule breaking. It's mischievous. And he knows what he's doing. And he's trying to cover his tracks and get home in time. So there's no doubt about that. He's capable of doing that. But but apply that to the circumstances that's available and the information that's available to the jury at the time. Is this a very mature 15 year old or is this, you know, a fairly you know, stupid, silly 15-year-old who's really not applying their mind to the consequences of their actions. And how does that factor in in determining a first-degree murder? A first-degree murder conviction is a very high threshold where you have to have planning and deliberation. And in a split-second decision of stepping on the accelerator when an officer is trying to get you out of the vehicle and lawfully so get him out of the vehicle, you know, I, I think in those circumstances, reasonable people can conclude that the person probably did not apply their mind to that. And, you know, a death did occur, but a manslaughter is probably the right verdict in these circumstances. And on a retrial, that might have been exactly what the verdict would have been. You mentioned closure a few moments ago. Uh, The fact that this young man actually spoke to the children of Officer Stiles, uh, a mitigating factor in terms of this sentence, or is it just uh, for the sake of, you know, wanting to affect closure for all parties? I, I hope it is mitigating, and I hope, you know, it is genuine, because there is very good... Uh, information and, and study about the, the the import and the value to an accused and then an offender speaking with the family and other members of the family about their actions and apologizing and trying to have some sort of understanding of each other's positions. And if, if SK sincerely wanted to have this contact, sincerely apologize, and, and, and that offered some sort of solace and closure to the family, I think that is very important. And that, does, that is some mitigation. It's not dispositive of what the appropriate sentence is, but I think it's a good factor to take into consideration. Finally got to ask, uh, there was a story where uh, a passenger on a WestJet flight uh, going to Montego Bay in Jamaica had to turn around and land at Pearson two hours into the flight because this unruly passenger made some quip about the coronavirus. And so uh, not wanting to take chances, obviously, they returned. Charged now with mischief. Uh, Are there different grades of mischief? Under 5,000, over 5,000, typically what would a penalty be here? Yeah, it's a great question, because in this one, just think about the monetary damage. You know, this has had a monetary impact to the passengers losing a day of their flight, as well as the people who were stranded in Jamaica and had to spend time there. So they have their own damages. Then there's the damages to the airline, because you have a flight that has to turn back after two hours. There's the fuel cost. There's the time, the payment of all of everybody, and then having to send a separate flight out the next day to pick up. So there is a very significant impact. The mischief here is not so much to address the financial loss here, like somebody who damaged a car, but it's the impact of mischievous conduct, which really had 
a very deleterious impact on a lot of people, including the airline. And so this is quite serious. So if if ultimately at the end of the day, this gentleman is found guilty, either through a trial or a resolution of actually uttering uh, that statement, whether it was in jest or not, it's serious in my mind. And I think it should be treated very seriously because there are certain things in flights that you just don't joke about. You don't joke about, you know, highly contagious and deadly diseases. You don't joke about, you know, uh, terrorist acts or hijacking a plane. These are just really things you don't do. And it's incredibly stupid and very dangerous to do that because you can imagine when a flight turns back, I don't know if they have to dump fuel. I don't know what else is involved. But, you know, this is not an easy thing, and it's it's very damaging to everybody around. So it's an appropriate charge. This could result in a significant sentence. But, you know, you've seen where, where lives have been at stake. You're not we're not always com- completely content with what's meted out in the end. But I, I know this individual from the reporting was also on a recognizance. So this person is known to the uh, criminal justice system. So we'll have to see how it plays out. But if found guilty, this this will result in I, hopefully something quite serious because people were endangered here and there's a lot of lost time and money and, uh, you know, emotions to people who go on their holiday and people who are stranded. Yeah, I'd be very curious to see what it is in the end uh, as to whether or not people will retain their faith in the justice system or uh, become increasingly cynical. Joseph, always a pleasure. Appreciate your time as usual. Thanks, John, for having me on. Take care. Joseph Newberger, Global News Radio legal expert with Newberger and Partners. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio. 